Hello, and welcome to Spark My Muse. I'm your host, Lisa Colon-Delay, and this is Soul School, Lesson 230, Ama Theodora. Today I'm going to be giving you some wisdom from Ama Theodora, A Desert Mother, and this comes from a book by Margaret Gwenther, who wrote the book called Holy Listening, The Art of Spiritual Direction. This book was from 1992. I read it in seminary. And Margaret Gwenther has passed away. She was a professor of ascetical theology and the director of the Center for Christian Spirituality at General Theological Seminary, also an Episcopal priest serving at the Church of the Holy Trinity in New York City. And she talks a lot in this book about listening well. How do we listen well? In terms of spiritual direction, which I'm going to be calling spiritual companionship, I think I'd like to be bringing more content about how to listen well, how to be a spiritual friend, a spiritual companion to people in ways that are truly nourishing, in ways that allow people to have their own agency. Few of us know too much about the desert fathers and mothers from the 300s, 400s CE but they had a lot of wisdom that people sought out. People would leave the city centers and they would go into the desert places where some of these people lived. Sometimes they would live off on their own a little bit in small dwellings called cells. And that is where we get cells for penitentiaries. And the, even the word penitentiary comes from penance. So it was thought that true learning came from facing yourself and God in solitude in your cell. A wisdom teaching from the desert was go sit in your cell and your cell will teach you everything. The idea in the criminal justice and reform system was if we have people in cells instead of in other places, they will be able to look inward, know who they are and come out better for it. Of course, in the United States, we have a warehousing program and it doesn't work like that at all. And the spiritual side of people is rarely acknowledged or addressed and people are treated like animals. So the cell isn't the place that we think of today as a place of inner liberation at all. But I have met men in my time in prison ministry and mentoring and teaching that have found inner liberation in the most remarkable and inspiring and hopeful ways uh, these men will be unknown to almost everyone, but they have served as mentors to me, as brothers to me, and I will never forget them. Alma Theodora was a spiritual teacher, and her words apply for us now. She said, A teacher ought to be a stranger to the desire for domination, vainglory and pride. One should not be able to fool him or her by flattery, nor blind them by gifts, nor conquer them by the stomach or dominate them by anger. But they should be patient, gentle, and humble as far as possible. They must be tested without partisanship, full of concern, and a lover of souls. Theodora knew nothing about the vocabulary of projection, transference, or countertransference. 
but saw that the director, teacher, spiritual guide could get caught in self-deception and lose her loving detachment in a relationship of spiritual intimacy. As directors or spiritual companions, our warning bells should go off when people bring us their adulation or try to elevate us to sanctity. When Theodora warns against anger, she no doubt was thinking of her own, since the Abbas and the Amas of the desert struggled constantly against this passion. Abba Aganthon said, A man who is angry, even if he were to raise the dead, is not acceptable to God. And I'll stop there for a minute to say that it isn't because anger is a sin. Anger is a kind of sickness. It's a, just a natural emotion that occurs in us, and it might occur more because of the landscape of our inner world and the climate that we have in our inner world. It might stir up this weather system of anger. And what happens during a bad weather system is that we get caught in it, and we can't see clearly, and we can't do our, our work or love other people as well when we're caught up in something like that. So it is this distraction of anger that creates the problem. What Ama Theodora talks about is the treachery that comes to us when we desire to dominate people, when we are vainglorious, and that means we want to self-promote or congratulate ourselves or have people notice that we are moral and upstanding. And of course, pride, where we consider ourselves righteous and not people in need of grace all the time. And when we get delusional in these different ways, we can be fooled by flattery or gifts. We can be fooled by our passions of anger, given to things like petty jealousies, competitions. I'll read now from page 65. A good teacher asks questions or a good companion ask questions. They must be the right questions, ones that open doors, invite the other to stretch and grow. Obviously, one never asks questions out of curiosity, nor to fill a silence that threatens to become uncomfortable. But at times, clarification is needed. Then a gentle question can help you. For instance, could you say more about that? Or... Can you give me an example of what you mean? We can learn to notice statements that cry out for a clarifying question, especially when the person we're with encounters painful material or stands on the threshold of a new stage of awareness. Little hints may be dropped of information. Those can be offered, and the narrative seems to be disjointed almost as if that person were saying, I left a piece out there. What I am saying doesn't make sense. Why don't you ask me about it? Maybe that person isn't even conscious that they've left that out, but there it is a hint to ask the question that clarifies, that gives us the invitation to ask them, help me understand what you are saying. In the ministry of holy listening, there are no right answers, only clearer visions and even deeper questions then. In awareness of the mystery at the heart of spiritual direction or spiritual friendship, 
it is good to encourage those people we are with to discover and embrace their own questions. In the poet Rilke's Letters to a Young Poet, while ostensibly about the creative process, it is equally valuable as a spiritual classic. It is a deceptively simple book about discernment and self-knowledge. In the fourth letter, Rilke urges his reader, quote, to be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and to try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given you because you will not be able to live them out. And the point is to live everything, live the questions now. To love the questions is to engage them ever more deeply, to let go and to risk. It is to struggle with the translation of, quote, books written in a very foreign tongue, unquote. And to love the struggle, to live the questions is to be willing to persevere in peering into the empty tomb. Those who come to us wanting a quick fix or spiritual clarity might be sorely disappointed because living the questions takes time and patience. And we encourage our spiritual friends to walk at the pace that is needed to live into the, those questions. And even as I say this and read bits and pieces to you now, I realize that these are the same things we have to ask ourselves as we're learning about ourselves. We can walk with people and not getting hijacked and emotional about their answers or lack of clarity. But we can also do the same for ourselves. We can ask ourselves questions and not be hijacked emotionally by our answers, just curious and interested. Taking down the answers and allowing them to create more questions. And then live into those questions. And this is kind of like a journey of discovery or treasure hunt. Often we feel like we're on a journey to a specific destination, and then we get disappointed with how hard the journey can feel. But if we were on a journey of discovery, and every day a discovery was the point of the journey, how much would our expectations shift and we would have more joy each day? I think sometimes we put in expectations for ourselves to be somewhere or to do something by a certain time. These are all constructs we've made that create unneeded disappointment in our lives. And that's not to say we shouldn't have goals. We should. But for inner work and healing and transformation and just growing in relationships with other people, these things are accomplished by questions and living into questions. This is an encouragement for you to not be discouraged by how complicated and confusing relationships can be, how questions are sometimes tricky and complicated and need our time and devotion with them, and sometimes don't have just one answer. Sometimes that question leads to more questions, and that that's okay. I love how Jesus often answered a question with a question, and that's because he was inviting creativity and discovery and inquest. It was a typically Jewish thing to do to not just settle down on one answer, and that was that. In Jewish culture, arguing is all part of the fun. It's all part of the way things work, and you wrestle over things, and you struggle with them, 
and you discover more and more about yourself and what you're learning about, and it's a whole educational process. I will leave a link to Holy Listening, The Art of Spiritual Direction by Margaret Glenther at sparkmymuse.com for this episode SSL 230. And I ask that you come over to sparkmymuse.com and just go to the links for my Substack blog. Over there, there's plenty of other things to read and view. If you contribute as a paying member, you will also get to watch all the videos that are involved with the book club for my book, The Wild Land Within. And you can view those even though you weren't a part of the book club, you can still get in on all those discussions. I thank you so much for listening today. I ask that you will please share Spark My Muse with someone else. I wish you blessing and peace. <laughs>